So this is a, a really odd time in, in our respects of trying to, to figure out what we want to do. You can think out the box a little bit more. You can do some stories that your editors may not have green-lighted uh, years before uh, because this is a, a difficult time. You can only do so much of um, the, the, the stuff that, that we've seen out here of the, the 10 best Pistons teams of all time or 10 best draft picks of all time. There's only so many of those you can do. So you can think out the box a little bit and your sources in general are going to be available. Can I interject? I, as a guy who just recently left what Rod and James are doing, and Amari can um, start off with this, I'm curious to know, is in this time where your sports have been taken away from you, do you feel like a pressure uh, to produce stuff because of, obviously, we know uh, legacy media, even though athletic is a little bit different, obviously, than what the Detroit Free Press and the Detroit News are going through. Do you guys feel the pressure to produce content now um, to show value and show worth? That's one thing I'm curious about. And that's probably something that if we were all together like we used to be, that we'd be talking about. Um, so I'm just curious to know how you guys feel about that. What's going on with you guys there? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit different for me uh, since, you know, this is only my second week on the job. And I think whenever you switch jobs, you kind of feel that natural pressure to uh, produce anyway and kind of show people what you can do and show what you're about. Uh, it's definitely been different, you know, given that uh, when I uh, accepted the job, I you know, expected that I would have you know, four or five home games left and a couple road games. And then from there, you prepare for the off season and everything else. And it would aid the transition a little bit. And there's been none of that. But uh, kind of going back to Rod's point, you know, even though I'm doing everything kind of by phone and video and whatnot, you know, I've, I found that people are a little bit more accommodating than normal because people do have more time on their hands. And uh, frankly, I think everybody's bored. <laughs> and, you know, something I may have annoyed you two months ago is not like, yeah, please give me some, something to do. Give me some, uh, anything to talk about. So in uh, that in that response, it's been it's been OK. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think people want stuff to read. You know, I think it gives you an opportunity to outside the box of it, uh, maybe try something that you wouldn't otherwise try. Uh, if I were still on the Grizzlies, there are certainly a few ideas that I'll be tackling right now. And uh, now that I'm on the Pistons, you know, I still know the Detroit area. I kind of know uh, what's going on. So uh, depending on how this goes on, uh, I'll probably be able to do some of those things. So I guess we'll just see. Okay. Do we have coup here? Oh, sorry. James. We're having audio James. issues. Yeah. Sorry. I was asking your perspective on that question I asked Amari. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think how to answer. I mean, do I feel pressure to produce content? I mean, yeah, just because it's our job and that's what we're paid to do. Um, I guess it's not, I don't, I don't know how to say it. Like, I, I think for the athletic, we're in a position where, kind of what we hang our hat on, this is the perfect time for that. So instead of maybe getting lost um, in the middle of a season and you think people want to know about the day-to-day -day stuff and you get lost in that and you start doing that and you kind of forget, like, there might be bigger picture things you can tackle. Now it's obviously that's the most clear and obvious thing to do. Um, so I, I think it's just made – Again, like I said, it's kind of like the offseason. It's kind of just made the priority um, a little more single-focused, and you kind of know exactly what you should tackle and what you have time to do and, and stuff like that. Okay. Sorry to hijack it, guys. I, it just my, I had my own question, you know, because I 
a lot of time, a lot of my days are spent when I'm not doing my new duties, thinking about how I would handle the, the current situation. So just curious. You need hobbies. <laughs> or kids. <laughs> or kids. You'd be surprised at how busy I'm, my new I'm duties joking, are keeping me. I'm but, joking. but you know, I'm, I'm here for the jokes, though. I know I'm. I uh, I, I sold out. I get it. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, jump into some more piston talk here. And two, are you with us, brother? Can I? Can you hear us? Yeah. Cool. Okay. All right. What's going on? Can we talk about that Ravens? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got to <laughs> break it off now. So. He got his Derrick Rose love showing right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, cool. let's hit you first with this. Uh, we're going to kind of talk about Pistons offseason a little bit here. Uh, what direction do you see Tom Gore's going with this offseason? Do you think he's going to try and nab players for a rebuild or go to the retool route and look for some win now, guys? What do you think, Koo? Um, I think they've decided to go rebuild now. Um, I'd be shocked if they made any moves that would suggest any kind of winning now. Um, other than uh, some pissing. I talked about this a little bit with Vince on uh, when he came on to my show. But <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. It was fun. It was. So I talked about it a little bit with Vince on our show, but I know a lot of Pistons fans consider Christian Wood the second coming of Jesus. So I know, if we, <laughs> I know, if, uh, I know if we re-sign him, they might be considering that like a move to become a contender. But uh, I don't expect him to be. I, I don't be. Uh, I'm not expecting the Pistons to make any type of moves that uh, suggest any kind of um, uh, idea of trying to win a lot next year. Okay, who else? Who else thinks about the question? Anyone got anything? Yeah, they're pretty firmly in rebuild mode. Uh, Drummond got traded. Uh, Reggie got mm-hmm. bought out, and now he's with the Clippers. And yeah, they got a good deal for Blake, assuming Blake is healthy. And you know, uh, you know, I'm sure they would move him as well. So firmly in rebuild mode. You know, then then I would be surprised if they made a move that was sort of the halfway. You know, maybe we could gun for the seventh seed next year. I think I think they're going to tear this thing down if they can. Uh, and I would add uh, a name to watch. Definitely, you know, you can see it happening. Luke Kennard. I mean, they they might have traded him if 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 he wasn't healthy. You know, I, I think he may have gotten traded uh, to trade that line if if, sorry, if he was healthy. So um, that I think that would indicate uh, an indi- uh, uh, a willingness to see what life is like on the other side, away from this current group of players. Uh, I think that that's a good indicator of the fact that Luke's name came up in trade rumor. Yeah, and I'd say outside of Christian Wood, um, who might get a longer term deal, I don't think anybody else is going to get a a three, four year year deal at all. I think everything is going to be short term just to try to bide their time until they can get uh, to that 2021 summer and 2022 where they'll be able to to jump back in and go after some of those bigger name guys uh, and at least try. All all you can do is try and, and throw the bag at somebody and see if they take it. But I don't think anything this summer is going to be super impactful beyond giving Christian Wood what uh, his market value is going to be. Yeah, no, I so, agree. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just do their due diligence and throw a bag at somebody like Brandon Ingram just to see what happens. Or um, uh, what's my guy from Minnesota? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Your guy. From the nut that just left the Nuggets. What is his name? Malik Shoot. Beasley. Malik Beasley. Beasley, guys like that, yeah. young guys, just to see what happens. Uh, but yeah, that's man, right. Yeah, I, he's a guy that I, I remember. That, I remember them liking him. Yeah, that's that was uh, a yeah. yes, that's like a good name, uh, James, uh, to throw out there. Yeah, no, and yeah, they uh, Malik's a good player, and they're probably if they wanted to get him, they probably have to overpay. But I just don't. His timeline kind of similar to Luke doesn't really fit with where they're going. And he's cheaper now, right? Uh, he's a restricted free agent this summer, so they'd have to. Yeah. He had a bad year, though, compared to last season. Yeah, I I agree with that. But I would say you look at his numbers, 38, 39 from three, and finishes around the rim. The Pistons don't really have that. <laughs> don't have that player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, uh, he might feel a need. <laughs> and the funny thing about it, how – Guys play better when the ball's in their hands and act like assured playing time. Getting minutes for Denver is kind of tough, so. Right. Somebody's got to make that money somewhere. There's, exactly. there's a salary floor in addition to a salary cap. Yes. yes. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Okay, Don't so. You hear say I mean, something? Go ahead. Duncan, you're going to say something? Nope. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, no. I, I think I said yep in agreement to something. I, I <laughs> Carry something, on, Dustin. You don't know quite what it was, but hey, yeah, yep. I agree. I'm down. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh my god. So I'm going to give you guys each the uh, the Estebanski role here. What is your number for Christian Wood if you're going to offer him a contract this offseason? What are you going to go with? Cool. Get in here, cool. <laughs> He I said Christian um, Wood, not Bruce Brown, Coo. <laughs> cool. no, you, trust me, I heard him. Who's calculating the max contract right now for Christian Wood? <laughs> <laughs> He's worried, he's, worried, he's worried about what Bruce can get. He's, he's thinking about Bruce's next deal. He's thinking about the mid-level exception. He's thinking about the lower. He's thinking about the mid-level. <laughs> Um, Vince, Vince is all hyper over there because I'm, I'm pretty loud. I've been pretty loud about this, but I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'd be hesitant to pay him more than around $10 million. I, I want to ask you about that. Why, why are you, hmm. the dude averaged 24 <laughs> and 10, one of the best percentages in the NBA. Why do you not like him? I didn't say I didn't like him. Don't don't put that narrative on me, James. I didn't say that. <laughs> he has enough narratives already. Like <laughs> it's not that I don't like him. It's that the stretch you're talking about was a very small sample. And the, the big thing with uh, Christian this year was the fact that he improved his shooting and he actually was shooting well this year. If you look at his career, like in the NBA, the G League, he wasn't a very good shooter at all. So, like... I, if this is legit, then good for the Pistons. But, like, I'd be hesitant to pay him over $10 million based off a small sample size and one season of him shooting extremely well. But I would argue that you give Bruce the same praise for one season of shooting. Okay. No, see, that's just – see, and once again, James, don't take that narrative on me. I didn't, that's just not true. That is true. Am I wrong? No, James. James, he gives – he give Bruce fifteen mil right now. He give he give. He, <laughs> me, me pointing out that Bruce improved from 
trash last year to below average this year doesn't mean that I think that he's a star. It doesn't mean that he made a massive leap from where he was last year. <laughs> I'm, just saying, they I'm, exist. Saying, I'm just I'm just saying Christian went from trash to Kyle Corver and you're 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 pushing it to the side. Is that what happened though? Because like once again, you're talking about a small stretch, and even if you take that stretch, like if you just take the whole season into account, he is not a very good playmaker. He still struggles a lot on defense. Uh, Dwayne Casey talked about it a lot throughout the entire season. Him on defense. So just take into account next year. Let's say we pay him next year. Next year he shows up. His defense is still an issue. He's still a bad playmaker. But now also the shot regresses. Now what? Now now you're paying. Over ten. Let's say you go over them. I said. Now you're paying that much for him. Now he's not that good of a shooter anymore. Get him, Jane. Get him, Jane. Get him, Jane. Defensive and playmaking issues. No, I. I mean, I see what you're saying. I I would just argue that when you're the Pistons, uh, ten to twelve million for a guy that did what he did is a gamble you have to take. Yeah, and I'll agree on that. That they have to pay whatever. The market value is going to be, and, and I'll use market value because uh, there aren't a lot of teams with significant cap space that can pay him more than the mid-level exception. That's where that $10 million number is coming from, is that somewhere around where the, the mid-level is going to be, the non-taxpayer mid-level is going to be. So the Pistons only have to beat that best offer, assuming that in Atlanta or somebody doesn't go bananas and try to offer him $15 mil. So assuming that that's the case, you're, you're looking somewhere in the 10 to 12 range probably 15 tops but i wouldn't go um probably 15 and again you're you're you got early bird rights on a guy who has shown enough i think to warrant that and it's not a huge gamble given what some other contracts are going to look like um or have looked like in the past couple of years for guys with lesser talent and lesser production i also question how many teams are going to want to make a move for christian wood in a draft that has probably three guys are, are going to go top 10 who look like true centers. You know, you have like, of course, James Wiseman you know, being the best of those guys. Uh, the Hawks were in the market for a center and then they went and got Clint Capella. Uh, you know, the Cavs just traded for Drummond. Uh, you know, I don't know how strong the center market's going to be, you know, in, in a draft that, you know, is pretty much almost all guards and centers. <laughs> and, yep. uh, you know, like, I think I would go up to 12 or 13 for Christian Wood. And if some random team goes above that, then I'm probably pretty comfortable walking, uh, you know, because if the Pistons really want to center, they could draft one too. You know, I'm not sure if that should be their main priority, but, uh, you know, but there are, are guys out there, you know, I'm just not sure that I think Christian Wood's going to be good, you know, but I certainly wouldn't go above 12 or 13 if the market dictates that his prices, you know, starting at 14. I actually share Koo's concerns. I'd be hesitant to give yeah, him Vince. a whole yeah. lot, a whole lot north of. I, I would go a little bit higher than you, but once, as everyone says, like we get above eleven or twelve, I, my concerns would be more from, you know, the stuff that you know. How would he respond to getting a bag? That's the kind of thing that I'd be worried about. Uh, will he still keep that hunger and that drive to still be a gr- good player and still strive to be a great player? Or Willie said, well, I got paid now, so I can maybe revert back to maybe bad habits and stuff. So that would be my concerns with giving him a major bag. But that being said, uh, to uh, to James's point and to Rod's point, the whole point of a rebuild and to tear it down to the tear it down to the uh, to the to the studs 
is to get someone with the skill set of a Christian Wood in your program. And they were able, fortunate enough, because of the waiver claim and stuff they made last summer, to have someone like that under their control. So it is a, it's an interesting problem to have, but it's probably one you'd rather have than not have. So, And one thing I'll add, and me and Hollinger talked about this in that story I wrote, if they can get him for around that $10 million, he only counts 1.7 against the cap. So that's a steal. I mean, that's, you know what I mean? And you can get a guy that talented for, I mean, there's, let's face it, there's got there's worse guys that make more than $12 million. And if you're going to take exactly. a gamble on a 24-year-old 20, that can stretch the floor, and if he can gain some weight, like, there's just so many possibilities there. And when you're this team in this position, I understand not overpaying, and I understand why fans would be scared of that because you see it in the past, but they were overpaying. Oh, trust me, fans are not scared. Oh, I would say so. I would say after the Lewis would, stuff and Ben and Charlie, I think there's fear in overpaying guys, but this is a different situation. You, It's okay to overpay when you're trying to rebuild. And in this situation, like I said, if you have no talent, you're still trying to acquire talent, and Christian Wood is the most talented guy, if you want to argue about Sekou's upside or whatever. He's by far the most talented player they have. So, And the whole idea of a teardown is to keep the guys like that around, if you can. Well, it sounds like at the end of all this, we all disagree with each other. You guys just want to argue with me for no reason because I said <laughs> no. that I would pay. I said I would pay him around $10 million. I didn't say <laughs> I would just not pay him. You said, you you said he sucks. No. I heard you he sucks. <laughs> That's what I heard. <laughs> you were killing him. You destroyed him. It's not destroying him. It's just keeping it real. I mean, it, you just, was, those are legitimate concerns I brought up. Right, well, 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 blah, blah, blah. He sucks. That's what I heard. <laughs> I heard he's worse than Bruce Brown. That's I don't. That's what I heard. If, <laughs> if, if, if Bruce yes. was a free agent, you know what, what would you pay Bruce? This is what happened. Everyone that comes into my mentions now with this BS, I'm directing them straight to your guys' mentions. Coop, <laughs> what would you pay Bruce if he was a free agent? Right now? Yes. Not much at all. Like, what do you What is your number? I don't know. What whatever it's like, I wouldn't pay a lot at all. Like, three Ten. million, I guess? Well, stop lying. <laughs> okay, here's a, if If somebody came and offered Bruce, Bruce five, would you give him six? No. Cool. Look me straight in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I said no. All right. See, All this right. is the thing. This is the thing. And I this is the thing that James is trying to do here. James throughout the entire season was Mr. Pessimist. So now he's trying to flip this around on me. And <laughs> cool. I am not a pessimist for wanting a team that hasn't won a playoff game in twelve years to rebuild. I'm sorry. That's not pessimist. That's come. not once again, that's just not what I was talking about. Every day in the media room, he comes in, oh, another day, sits down, and then R E or like and just pessimistic. <laughs> it's not years. much of a team, but it's a team. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not pessimism when it's a uh, 20 and 46 team. It's, that's not I mean, pessimism. That's, what that's I mean, realism. Yeah. That's real. I am around a team that won, that lost 40-plus games for the last three years every single day. You know what else? Like, I, it just happens. You just get tired of it. <laughs> Kills your spirit. James has had enough. All I'm saying is just don't spread that evil. It's the same motion every day. 
Oh, James, you're making Amari so excited. <laughs> Amari's so excited to be a Pistons beat writer now. <laughs> oh, he knows what he's got. Welcome so, to the uh, territory. Yeah, uh, I watched. I watched probably five percent of their games from 2009 to about 2014. So you know, I, I'm pretty uh, used to watching bad basketball. You okay. lived through before the glory days. <laughs> <laughs> the glory days. You the T-Mac days. <laughs> yeah. Will okay. Bynum made those teams watchable. That's how bad. Will it was. Bynum, the experience. <laughs> Will Bynum made those teams watchable. Oh, Will all right, so let's kind of go into the draft a little bit here. Um, who are your guys' top targets slash who would fit the position, not the, the Pistons' needs best? So, LaMelo uh, Ball. Duncan, LaMelo, I'm Team LaMelo as well. Duncan, I'm with I'm Mar- Mar- I, I knew you were going to lead with uh, – <laughs> I knew you were going to go with me LaMelo for your Ball. draft question, man. <laughs> um, One. Yeah, off the top of my head, I think LaMelo is probably my guy. Um, go. Most go. years – I. Yeah, it, you know, most years I don't really pay any attention to the draft or college until the tournament starts, and obviously, uh, we didn't get that this year. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's it's never my strength when we start talking about the draft, but especially one with no uh, no NCAA tournament, <laughs> it's tough. So, um, yeah, from everything that I've I've read and I've digested, Lamelo is probably my guy um, if he's gettable wherever the Pistons end up uh, selecting. You know, when the draft lottery finally happens in like October or whenever. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think LaMelo probably fits what they need better than anybody that they're going to come across. Um, so at this point, uh, without any additional data or information, that's my guy. Okay. Other thoughts? Um, I, I also would go, uh, with LaMelo. I don't pay attention much to college at all, except around like this time I'd read like a lot. <laughs> I'd, I really like a lot. James, what are you shaking your head about? Like, <laughs> did you take it easy? Anyway, I want to hear what James had to say about LaMelo. That's what I'm going Yeah, for. actually, James, go ahead. You're shaking <laughs> yeah. your head down there. Let's go fast ahead. forward to you that. Know, I, don't know, forward. I don't know if James' concern is LaMelo. I think, I think it's more of the. Oh, I think of James is. is more of the, the, the coverage than the. Yes, than the I don't want to cover yeah. that every day. I just don't. Yeah. I don't. And. He's a good player. I don't know if he fits. I, again, obviously, everybody knows the jump shot. I question if this is a guy that's been too cushioned his whole life, and if he just like defensively and the work ethic, I'd just be curious. He's a good player, and if they took him number or with their pick, that's a smart pick. Uh, but I think like Killian Hayes fits the timeline. Um, I like Avija. I think he just skill wise could be the best player in the draft. I'm not mad at him. I understand. I just. I personally don't want to have. Do you? I don't want to have eighty media people there every day to ask Lamelo about his dad. Like, it, I like just having us three there. It's fun that way. <laughs> it's a job security <laughs> thing. I get it. It's a job security thing. One thing I would like to add to what James said. If you, let's say right now there's no there's no season and that um, they go that they. If they wound up picking fifth, like I guess they were fifth, right? When I remember it correctly with yeah, the draft, yeah. yeah. let's say if they stay there. I think it would be a good draft for them if uh, the say his name again, the guy, the Israeli kid again, uh, James. Uh, if he falls to them at five, I think that would be a solid uh, uh, pick for them because I had started looking at the draft and uh, if you look at the situation, uh, a multi-skilled forward who can potentially break down defenses, who can score a little bit, who can like 
uh, playmaker a little bit would really uh, be nice to add to their talent collection um, if they could get him at five, um, if they stay where they are. I agree. I would also say that I think Ty, uh, Tyrese Halliburton is being super duper slept on. And if they ended up with him, I think that would be a great pick. Like this dude averaged, he shot 50% overall, 42% from three. He's a great passer. Uh, you know, he has good size for a point guard. And his team sucked. Like he was like doing everything for that team and he was still efficient. Like I'm struggling to see why, uh, you know, he's going like between eight and 13 in a lot of mocks when, you know, to me, I think he could easily be the best point guard in this draft, depending on how things shake out. Like he doesn't really have a hole in this game. Like you know, I, I think if that. a team raced for him, like it would be fine. Like he's a sure yeah, thing I, to be. I, I agree with, with Halliburton. I think he's got the best yeah. combination of things that they're looking for with, with size and shooting and leadership and, and vision. <laughs> I'm not sold on LaMelo Ball in just the things that I've seen because of the defensive liabilities and the circus that comes with it. Is, is, we, we haven't heard a lot from LaVar Ball in the, in the past couple of years, but if LaMelo goes in the top five, and likely he will, I think he comes back out and, and we start to see him a little bit more. And is LaMelo affected by that? I, I'm not sure. But, and I'm not convinced that his game is just... NBA transferable so easily that he makes that transition without some bumps and bruises along the way. Um, so, I, but I think Halliburton is one of the best options out there. I think Obi Toppin is is another guy. Um, yeah. And you can't just look at positional fit and say we need this guy. If you're you're Ed Stepanski in the front office, um, it might end up being another power forward. It might end up being another center, and, it, and there might be some duplication between Sekou and Blake Griffin and everything else, or Christian Wood. But you just got to take the best piece that's there. And if you can, you take the best point guard, and this is a point guard-heavy draft, so I think it works out for them in all aspects. I'm going to nitpick Halliburton a little bit because I, I think back to a holiday tournament where, don't get me wrong, he killed my Alabama squad. He destroyed them. Oh, uh, played amazing, <laughs> ran in threes, and passing the ball. Matter of fact, he was clowning on us. He was laughing at us. However, was, get to the however. Get to the however. He, was, <laughs> he didn't strike me as an elite athlete of like, when you look at like great players in this league, typically they are, uh, they stay above athletically. So that's his knock on him. And he looks like a, a guy who does not look as if he has the explosiveness or the quick twitch athleticism that it really takes to get by in the league nowadays. Don't get me wrong, he's a smart player and he had a lot of basketball skill, but I don't know if his athleticism will allow him to be uh, a major factor the next year, next level. I, obviously, he's going to go, I think he'll be the type of guy that might play 10, 15 years, but I don't know if he'll be a major factor. He's a little Denzel Valentine-ish, I would agree. What? <laughs> no, <laughs> what? A, com- a combo guard with with kind of slow feet, can't really get by guys consistently. Yeah, I see, I see what he's saying. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. I, I, again, I watched that whole game, and again, he killed us, destroyed us. <laughs> but that's, that's as a person. Me and James and Omari could kill Alabama. Hey, hey. <laughs> Alabama, as a point guard, is probably going to go in the first round, late first round. Kira Lewis, so don't sleep on it now. They, they, he was Here like we this. go. That's like Here a second round go. pick in this draft. I don't know. <laughs> in this draft, though, it's probably going to be a first round pick. Yeah, so. Saying. I think it's real bad, Vince. I don't know, man. That's like that's like pick thirty six of like any ever draft. <laughs> okay, well, I'm saying quick, he got quicks. I'm telling you, unlike Mr. Halbert. Unlike I, I haven't Mr. seen him. I don't know. I'm just I've talking. seen him. He's quick. He's acting quick. I'm 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 gonna trust your your Bama knowledge here. You know, I'm I, can, I can back Vince up on that one. He's got he's got it. <laughs> 
He's got quick. I'm not saying he's gonna be a player, but he's quick. He's he's quicker than Halliburton. That's all I'm saying. That's true. The Grizzlies didn't have a second round pick, so well, I guess they have one. So I actually didn't look at any of the second round guys until like Pistons either. So you're week, good. So okay, well there we go. <laughs> hey, if Kira Lewis like, is good. I'll find out this time next year. I'm not saying he's good. I'm just saying he's quicker than Halliburton. That's all I'm saying. In the end, all that stuff. So he's yeah. I also check check the tape. I would also say that none of the point guards in the top ten are athletic. Like Lamelo's not a good athlete. Uh, people have the same questions about Killian Hayes about being too slow. So, yeah. but think about it, though. Think about uh, Lamelo though. He's big though. So that's the thing. Yeah, though. six he's, seven. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. All right, we're gonna hit two more questions here, just uh, about the Pistons, and kind of into our fun questions. And so uh, these are both these are injury fun. concern. These are fun. No, these are fun. I think that you guys will enjoy some of the ones remaining as well, though, even more. So, <laughs> but yeah, we're having fun. You know, this is a good time. Yeah. Uh, so first off, Luke Kennard, his knee issues. Should there be a lingering concern about his health moving forward? How should Pistons fans feel about him moving forward? I'll be more he concerned if it was like an ACL tear. You know, I think you know, and it's still not good. Like it's you know, it's it's an issue that he'll have to manage. You know, obviously, like you know, I don't know too many guys who have had those types of issues that magically overnight, you know, never had those issues rare, rare again. Uh, there was another person I cannot remember who uh, you know that played for the team maybe six seven years ago that had the issues too and uh, you know it's like the same dude I cannot think of who I'm Reggie Jackson <laughs> was, well Reggie too Reggie too that's Reggie the one too. I'm thinking of <laughs> it was Not, Reggie that's too. the one somebody else but yeah but Reggie obviously is a, a big one uh, I like Luke Kennard a lot. You know, just as a player, I think he improved a lot last year. You know, I think as a secondary buy, I learned the guy is shooting 40% from three. Generally, it's better to keep those guys. You know, even if you're only getting an average of 60 games a year from him, uh, that's better than not having 60 games of a guy who, you know, can handle the ball a little bit and shoot 40% from three. Uh, you know, I guess it just depends on how severe the issues are. Uh, but overall, I'd be more concerned if it were like a serious D injury, like an ACL tear or something like that. Like, I think you know you're going to get some of Luke every year. It just depends on how severe it is up here. Yeah, I would say I think they are concerned. Yeah. Um, and I understand why for a 23 year old to have chronic knee tendonitis like that, especially a guy that's kind of plays on the floor and he doesn't, he's not the most athletic. He's not the fastest. He doesn't jump the highest. And for him to have knee issues, um, being that type of player, I think is a bit concerning. And I, I think it even goes back to a little bit in his college days, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, you factor that in, Luke, like you said, Omar, he's a good player, really good player, has potential to be a good player. But um, for him to be 23 and that bad of knee tendonitis in both knees that he's been out since Christmas um, is concerning. And then also when you look at their timeline, again, if you pay Luke 15 to $18 million a year, whatever that number is, um, is he a guy that is, – is that worth paying – when you know you're not going to compete in that timeline. Yeah, and, and I think it, the, the issue here is that it's tendonitis, which is a big nonspecific. Like Omari said, if it was uh, an ACL or something that you knew you could recover from and kind of be better and you didn't have to have the same issues, but tendonitis just doesn't go away. You don't cure it. You just lessen the pain a little bit. And as James said, too, when you're that young and you start to experiencing, start to experience tendonitis the way that he is in both knees, 
it's concerning, and I just don't know how much of a future investment you want to put in that or how heavy of a future investment you want to put in that with something that just isn't going to get better. It's just going to, you can lessen the pain and mitigate the pain, um, but is he going to be the same type of shooter? Can he maintain that for another eight to 10 years maybe? That's the big question mark. And, and given that they were looking at trading him, I think that writing is on the wall of what they think about what his future could be is if you can get a first round pick for him, they'd be ready to deal him at that point. Cool. Yeah, what do sure. you think? Vince, you don't want to hear what I think. <laughs> I know. I, I'm, I'm oh, curious. Yes, we do. He's, he's yeah. not Bruce Brown. No, see, <laughs> see this I, I don't know if I want to go after hearing all the the negativity going on. Come on, cool. Why? That's, what, that's, why that's we, realism. That's realism. This is realism. Wait, wait, so you guys this is wait. Okay, no, no, stop. Stop. No, stop. Ron can call what you guys are just saying realism, but I bring up legitimate concerns about Christian Wood. And I, <laughs> cool. All right. Take the debate. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell, tell us, cool. Um, all right, so obviously I'm not a doctor or anything, but. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so, Thank you Where does Psalms go? He played 73 games his first year, 63 games his second year. So obviously. He played a lot his first year. Second year and third year, he's had some injuries, and obviously with the knee this year. Um, but his second year was a shoulder injury, so it wasn't related to his knee. So it wasn't like it or it was hurting him his second year either. But um, obviously, they believe that um, it's a legitimate concern. They wouldn't have been trying to trade him at the trade deadline, or the rumors wouldn't have started about them possibly shipping who was it, Phoenix, for like a first rounder and like a Kobo or whatever. But um, <laughs> I'm I'm not as concerned about his. his I'm with Amari with what he said. I'm not as concerned as everybody else seems to be about his injuries right now. Um, obviously, obviously it raises like an eyebrow. Obviously, you have to pay attention to it. But I'm not as concerned as everybody else seems to be about it. And I think Luke's a really good player. I think he took a big step this year before he got hurt. And um, sample size. <laughs> if we're talking sample sizes, <laughs> all right, that's fine. That's fine. Even if you look at the player he was before this season, the, the trajectory was going the right way, and the type of player he is is a really good player. He's a good ball. He's a nice ball handle. He can create for himself. And by the way, this, I don't know if this is going to be like a question you bring up, Dustin, but I have to say this. A lot of people are like saying that Speed's on Luke's level. That's, it just, he isn't. Um, Luke is a good ball handler. He can, find open, he can find open guys in the pick and roll when he runs his little off-the-dribble handoff pick and rolls. He can find the open guy if defense is key in on him. He's a really good shooter. He can create for himself. Obviously, he struggles a little bit on defense. I actually think he's been better on defense than a lot of people thought he'd be coming into the league. But he still obviously isn't, like, amazing over there. But, yeah, I'm not as concerned about him, and I would be okay with re-signing him when his time came up. But if they don't, then obviously I understand why they did it because of the injury concerns. But me personally, I wouldn't have an issue with bringing him back. Also, you give him twenty mil a year. How much? No. Fifteen. Yeah, around fifteen. Around fifteen. Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. One thing I'll say (laughs) is just to keep an eye on when it gets to that point with Luke. I think there's going to be if he goes the discrepancy. There's going to be probably discrepancy in the value between the two sides, and that could ultimately lead to why he's gone. I think they, I, when Ed says he likes Luke, I think he likes Luke. He said it publicly, but I mean, you like every player until the certain price amount, you know what I mean? And I think that's the thing that people aren't 
really seeing in this is, yes, he likes Luke, and Luke is a good player, um, but to have to be kind of a, a ground-bound player with knee tendonitis um, and wanting X amount of dollars, then you, you have to factor in too many different things other than just being a good player. So, James, let me – I have to ask you something then. Please. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you're excited. Um, I'm cool. You're my guy. I'm just curious. Yeah, I know. I know. Even though you're still ducking that hoop session, but it's all right. We continue on. Dude, we're in quarantine. (laughs) What are you talking about? Now, you were ducking it way before then. But either way, uh, either way, um, so you mentioned that. You mentioned this timeline with Luke and him being 23, paying him, et cetera, not really matching up with the Pistons. So I just have a question. So how does Luke, how does Luke not match up with the Pistons timeline? At 23, but Christian Wood, who's going to be 25 at the start of next season, how does he match up? At about what did you say? You said you'd pay him 15. How does he match up? I think Christian's cheaper and a stretch a stretch big um, is a little harder to find than a uh, what Luke's specialty is. So you're all the way. So you're all the way in belief that Christian Wood is a legit stretch big now. Um, I think the potential is there to be one. Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, that's it. <laughs> I, lo- I love getting cool in here. I do. <laughs> I do. I do. I, do. <laughs> I just think that we're all a little bit happy go jolly a little bit over Christian Wood. That's all. That's happy all. go jolly. Happy, happy go jolly. <laughs> Chris is actually watching the stream right now, so I don't know if you want to keep talking about him. But I mean, he's, in he's, he's like a—he—he he doesn't really, you know, won't really get too too hurt about this kind of thing. So hey, it is what it is. He started stuttering. He's scared. No, yeah, he, he is. Scared. There he is. He's stuttering. Got him, Rod. Got him. I said it. On, I said it this was on my YouTube. I like him. He's, he's a nice player. He's but shook. If you're, if you're trying to make me pay him over twelve million dollars, hey, I'm Rod. not. Hey, Ron, I know you got shook ones somewhere nearby. Start playing it. Start I'm playing. saying. I'm saying. Great I would just say to Coop, the sample, Luke's sample size isn't large either, but you're willing to give him $15 million. No, I, no. See, that's just false. I, I, literally, <laughs> just, I literally. You just said 15 I literally. So, say Coop. How much are you giving Say Coop? Talk no, about sample sizes. No, this, is, this is the difference, James. The difference is. Is that we have a large sample size of Christian Wood being a very bad shooter. We have a very large Wait, sample before this season that Luke Kennard is a very good shooter. And even last year before, even his second season, he was showing signs of being a good secondary ball handler. That is completely different than some guy being a bad shooter his whole life. Then one season becoming a really good shooter and now we're calling him Dirk. Cool. Christian played <laughs> games before this year. He barely played. No, I, no. What are you talking? No, even if you go to his G League games, uh, like if you go through everything he's played, G We're League scouting G League scouting. games now. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to scout it. You can just go look at the the his. Say Facebook Live if you say Facebook Live. If you, say <laughs> Facebook Live. <laughs> you can just go to his box score what he shot in the G League. I mean, like the. Pr- the- I think people gang ganging up on Koo is worth the price of admission tonight. Like, y'all killing him. I love it. Get cool. Get cool. Know, I'm not the hero everybody everybody wants right now, but I'm the hero they deserve. That's all that uh, <laughs> The that villain. Was. The villain they deserve. The villain is yes, villain. <laughs> okay. So real quick, 
let's talk Blake Griffin a little bit. Uh, fans are asking about him. You know, we're all wondering, you know, what are we going to get from him next year? He's going to enter another offseason, healthy, trying to get back to, you know, whatever form he can get back to. What's the optimism level for him? What's the outlook for him now? I think at this Somebody point, it's just, yeah, I mean, I think at, at, at this point, it's just letting him get back. You know, I think anytime you have a knee injury, uh, you know, you can never say with certainty, you know, especially with his history. But, uh, hey, thanks to the pandemic, uh, you have extra time to get himself right. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. maybe that helps. And uh, <laughs> overall, you know, I don't, I don't think they need – I don't think there's much urgency. I think if the goal is to be bad and Blake can't live up to his deal, then that helps you be bad and get better draft picks. And if he, you know, starts playing up to the deal again and he's good next season, then it makes it easier to to move him. So either way, it's going to help you go one way or another. So, uh, you know, you probably don't need to make a decision on him until next summer at the earliest. Let's just say this. He's not going to be all NBA like he was last year. And once you get that out of the way, you don't have unrealistic expectations for what he can be again. So fans are going to say he sucks or he's not this or he's not that. Last year was very much a flash in the pan, and it's it was wonderful to see, but I don't think anybody thought he was that good, and I don't think anybody thinks he's going to be that good again, Maybe, and I'm sure he does, but if you don't have those expectations, then you won't be disappointed that he doesn't get back there, because it was, it was superhuman what he was doing, getting them to the playoffs, and unfortunate that he couldn't play in the playoffs once he got them there, um, but I think it's just realistic that he might average 15, 18 points a game or something like that, and and be a good facilitator for them again, but he's not going to be superhuman like he was last season. I would, yeah. I would just to, I would disagree with Rod a little bit in the sense that um, I think, and I think Kumi and you might have talked about this. Yeah, um, I'm going to give Blake the benefit of the doubt because we've talked. He's one of those guys that gets listed as injury prone player. Like you hear that. But you really can't name me another injury-prone player that's always come back from an injury to play as good or better than before. I mean, we can name countless injuries, guys. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Besides Reggie, um, I'm going to give Blake the benefit of the doubt that he'll come back and and be as good. Will he? I don't know. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because we can name countless serious injuries he's undergone and he's always come back, been all NBA or he's come back and been an all-star. Um, and I think that's, that's, he's one of the more interesting cases in that regard, because anytime you talk about an injury prone player, it's like, Oh, what could their career have been? What, what would have happened if this guy didn't get injured like that? Well, Blake's always kind of defied the odds. And I think it's, it's kind of one of a kind in a, in a sense. Yeah, and, he, and he's only thirty too. You know, like yeah. you know, we, we we talk about Blake like he's thirty three sometimes, but you know, but I would just say this, though, and actually, I kind of agree with James. But father time eventually wins, though. No, I agree. So, I'm so yeah, the I the doubt though. I agree with James. Like James said, we did just talk about this last week, me and him. But um, actually, I didn't think about this until he brought up. But yeah, I actually disagree with what uh, Rod said about a flash in a pan. I, but I'll get to that after I talk about what James said. Um, James. James is right. He's come back. He's had a lot of injuries, and each time he comes back, he's, it's not like he comes back. Like, for example, you guys like to troll me about how, like, I'm a D-Rose fan. So I, let's just use him oh, as an example. Let's just use him as an example because it's, like, an easy example. It's, it's just an easy example. So, like, he got hurt. Obviously, he never got back to the heights that he was at. And it took him a long time. Like, it took, like, four, three, four, five years for him just to get back to being a quality player because, like, he was close to being out the league. So if you look at Blake, Blake always comes back, and he's always, like, 
close to all-NBA player, all-star worthy player. Like, he's always getting back to that level. I think one of the things with Blake, like, so much of his success last year was based on that three-point so, shot. Um, whether that's replicatable or not is going to go a long way towards whether Blake is basically, like, viewed as a broken down um, or, uh, you know, there's a new Blake that, that we saw a year ago. If he's not hitting, hitting the three, uh, we're going to have, I think, widely, um, he's going to be seen a lot more like he was this year than last. Um, I, I, I think so much, so much hinges upon that three-pointer. And, you know, I mean, he had a full season's worth of, of sample if we're going to go with sample size. But you know, three pointing, three point shooting in particular is one of those things that takes a long time to sort of coalesce as to whether you can rely on it or not. Um, and two years removed now, with all the additional beating on that knee, he wasn't getting the kind of lift just to shoot that three last this past season. You know, this season that is now, uh, you know, perhaps on the verge of getting wiped out or uh, short at the very least. So I. That's the big thing to me. Like the athleticism isn't what it used to be, and if the three-point shooting isn't there, uh, I, I don't really know what uh, what there is to look forward to with him as far as uh, as far as the fandom goes. You know. Agreed. All right, now to the uh, conclusion of this uh, episode here, uh, Vince. I got a perfect question to start the uh, fun questions out with. Favorite restaurants in Metro Detroit, Vince. What you got? Give it to Ooh, us. That's a tough man. Caught me off guard. Uh, well, I guess it depends on what I want. Um, obviously, barbecue. Vicky's Barbecue. Uh, I took Amari there. And my boy, John Elligo, who works for the New York Times. He was in town to do something on uh, Detroit's response to the COVID-19 um, situation. And uh, I thought it would be a good time for... Uh, to fellowship a little bit on my back porch, J- Mari and John and I, we all practice social distancing guidelines. So it wasn't, <laughs> uh, uh, it was cool. It was, uh, it would have been Detroit approved. And so uh, we had a good time chopping it up, chopping it up. So I would say barbecue Vicky's, Vicky's, which is my favorite food. So that would ergo make it one of my favorite restaurants in the city. But uh, there are a lot of good places. Uh, and, you know, uh, just like for soul food, I, I love uh, Southern Fires or uh, 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 Beans of Cornbread in Southfield. Uh, another good, good, good spot uh, uh, for pizza. I love Louis and Hazel Park. Uh, I, I just that, that that I'd have to like sit there and think about it, but off the top of my head, those are the ones that, that popped in my head. You know, um, Salatai in the Eastern Market. I love going there for Thai food. Uh, there's a they're just Detroit has a great dining scene, and I I enjoyed it immensely. I I, I, I really enjoyed. It. As a matter of fact, that's that and the gym are the two things I miss the most about this uh, what we're going through right now. I'll cheat a little bit. I'll go outside of, of Metro Detroit and say Real Seafood Company in Ann Arbor um, has just Good wonderful, wonderful everything. Uh, but in Detroit, in downtown Detroit, uh, Vicente's Cuban Cuisine is a nice little uh, tucked in spot. Um, really? That has very good that. Cuban cuisine. Uh, and, and it's hidden. Not a lot of people know about it, but a very nice menu. You can sit outside in the summertime if we can. Um, but yeah, those are just a couple. Oh, the cheeseburger at Miller's Bar in Dearborn. Oh, my God. 
when I eat the cheeseburger at Miller's Bar in Dearborn, <laughs> I think back to like, this is what a cheeseburger taste, tasted like when the first dude thought that, you know what? Bread, hamburger, cheese. That'll be a pretty good combination. That's what it tasted like when you go to Miller's Bar. So those are just some of the things that just run in my head. And I'm going <laughs> to shut up now because I can talk about it in the next hour. Zoshi Milko in uh, Southwest oh, Detroit yeah. is yeah. one of my favorite spots easily. Uh, you know, you get cheese built on top of the burritos. and Yeah, it's fire. Nikki's mm. um, Pizza, like it's not always consistent but the feta cheese pizza there like when they make it right is my favorite pizza in the city um better than the chills and nicky's there's some other new detroit spots that i haven't been to like i swear they've added eight thousand restaurants in the city since i left for college eight years ago so all the, all the new spots all. I've when, when we get when we're allowed yeah. to go right you're gonna try them all right amari i'm gonna try them all i really haven't been to any of them uh you said southern fires but southern fires is a classic uh, there's a there's a hood Chinese food spot on uh, Seven Mile and Telegraph that is Fire. my favorite my favorite Chinese food spot in the city. And I tried getting to some yesterday, and their phone line is down. So if they close, oh. yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be hurt. <laughs> I'm 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 hoping I'm hoping they're just shut down. Uh, they, I think they are. Because if they don't come back, then I'm, I'm like, it's gonna. You hurt might me. have to do a drive by. Just do a drive by. My yeah, that's, that's self isolation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I might have to. Like, I feel bad because I read that, you know. So, like, James, just, tell us about your taco love. What's your taco spot in Metro Detroit, <laughs> man? We know you got them. I mean, you guys know next to Nikki's Locos. Locos tacos. Locos. Um, I mean, what else do I like? I'm trying to think. Um, I like Shangri-La. Little Caesars. Nobody gave Shangri-La some love. Shangri-La's good. Another good spot in my neighborhood. Oh, hey, Ima. You love your Ima spot, right? Ima? Ima I, was, I was trying to keep it off the chains, but Ima, yeah. <laughs> um, and what's that uh, burrito spot next to those lofts in Midtown? Uh, I can't remember oh, what it's I know what you're talking about now. Uh, it's right there because it's right next beside Avalon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, I can't think of the name of that spot. It is, it is good. Good burritos there, yeah. That's it for me right now at the top of my head. There's this uh, pizza place. It's fairly close to Little Caesars. Uh, Motor City Brewing Works. It's uh, pizza and microbrew. The pizza's really good. The beer's pretty good. Um, that place and Green Dot Stables are like the two places right now that just like immediately popped into my head. Uh, Green Dot has great sliders. Like I have a really, Green Dot's really, great. yeah, their menu is uh, pretty expansive, I think. Um, so yeah, those are the, the very first two places that popped into my head on that question. Recommend Sweet both. Water too. Yeah. yeah. I live around the corner from, uh, Motor City Brewing Works and I actually got takeout from there. I want to say either last weekend or the week weekend before last. So it is a good spot and they are yeah. open now. So yes, shout yes. out to all those restaurants that are still open feeding us when we get our takeout, takeout, uh, for our takeout fix. Yeah. Green Dot Heroes. Stables is where I first met Heroes. Ben. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. That's when that's he realized. Spot. That's when he realized I wasn't an asshole. Yeah, I gotta say before <laughs> we all me, found a spot where we learned that. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> me, uh, me and Joe were. Uh, me and Joe asked him to go out and uh, talk business with us, whatever. And I, I'll be honest, like beforehand, I was like, man, that man Vince 
Sounds like a mean guy over this Twitter, man. He might be. He might show up. He yeah. might show up and be a mean guy. With that man Vince showed up immediately. I I got him confused with the teddy bear. He went. He went yeah. her It's Twitter tough. Yeah. Everybody who knew Vince on Twitter first thinks he's an asshole, and then you meet him in person. And you're like, who is that guy? <laughs> Funny story. Me and Vince had each other blocked for a, a period of time. I thought he hated my guts, and I thought I hated his guts as well. So there was like a few months where I just was blocked by Vince Ellis. And now now it's like, he's a nice guy, you know? I would hang out with him. Who knew? (laughs) Who knew? (laughs) Okay, we're going to ask one more question, wrap it all up here. Uh, Rod, you got this question on your Twitter feed today. You kind of answered a little bit. But best of seven game series, bad boys versus going to work Pistons. Who wins? What's the series like? Someone jump it, Rod. You want to go first since you already talked about it? Yeah, I'll say bad boys. Uh, I like their bench uh, just a bit more, and they. Look at. I, I think they would just oh, shut him. Hater. Hater. I think they would shut him down, and it, Chauncey would feed Isaiah. <sighs> Chauncey would be guarded by Joseph Dumars. He would feed Joe Dumars. <laughs> no, okay. They, okay. they love Isaiah. I like to mess with them. Chauncey would give Isaiah 50. Take him to the post. <laughs> Isaiah dropped 25 on one leg. What the hell are you talking about, man? <laughs> he was He's going to need them both. <laughs> Michael Cooper was defending him, bruh. Isaiah was faking. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay. All right. Be careful what you say, James. We got we got Duncan on here, so there's a fair chance Isaiah sees this, so be careful. <laughs> <laughs> careful now. Important question. Are these 1989-90 rules or 0304 rules? I think they're a good question. No, 89-90. rules. Okay. 89-90. Okay. All right, then I'll, I'll get to the bad boys because you could just body slam people and get like a <laughs> tap on the wrist. So, yeah, yeah but, I'm sure. Oh, I'm hold sure. up, hold up, hold up. You go back and look at that Trailblazer series, okay? You go back and look at how many points uh, the, the bad boys put on the Blazers that series. They were more than just a body, bunch of body slamming dudes. They had skill. Y'all need to get yeah, that right. Could, but they would resort to that when teams gave them fits, and I think otherwise all four Pistons would give them fits. So if they're playing under their rules, then I think that they're going to be in good shape. If you could just push Rip Hamilton to somebody's coming off of the screen. And not get attacked. Yeah, that's why basketball's played back then. The the Celtics played that way. Larry Bird and 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 the Celtics rough and tumble like that as well. But everybody gives the Pistons that uh, uh that uh, moniker as being some dirty, awful team. But the Celtics played because that they way. branded it. They did the it. They boys. learned it from the Celtics because the Celtics did, did that stuff too. Who's guard they or she? I was going to say the the matchup. The it's, it's, it's not the guard matchup, but the Sheed and Mahorn matchup. I would watch entirely just by itself. I need a camera just dedicated to Sheed Mahorn. That's and it. I love what? Rick with all my heart. Barbecue chicken. Yeah, Rashid <laughs> would be him. <laughs> I about Sheed. Chicken. I will say this about Sheed. Sheed. Sheed had a talent to be one of the top fifteen players of all time. Was he? But that's that. That's, that was because about- of a certain desire and stuff and everything. So that she, it, I don't know, it wasn't necessarily important enough to Rasheed to be a top fifteen player of all time. So I agree. I, I'll go about- pretty grimy guys over Rasheed. I'm just sorry. That's how I, that's I way it worked. But we're talking about Sheed on that Pistons team, which was Sheed at his absolute professionalism peak. So to your point, James, I think Mahorn would see that he would be overmatched. 
and he would drag, grab, pull, yes. do everything else and to make Rashid sure and, and try and try to get in Rashid's head and just body him up. I, I think that would be fascinating stuff to watch. I agree. I would I would like a Sheed Mahorn camp. I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell Rick that I think Sheed will give him buckets. I'm assuming so that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he will cuss you out immediately. You will get cussed out immediately. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call. Come on, guys. Rodman would play the whole series. Oh, I there forgot you go. about uh, Rodman over Ben. Uh, Oof. Let's take it easy. This is a tough one. Hold on. Hold on. Easy. Easy. That would I'm just telling y'all. Zeke would just cook every all them. Oh, he, he, would, Zeke would not cook Chauncey. He would cook Chauncey. <laughs> he, he would not cook Chauncey. He would cook Chauncey. He would not. He would. He would not. He would not he cook Chauncey. Millennials, man. Let me tell you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Who has Isaiah Thomas' phone number? Who's got it? Let's just text him right now. I would assume. I, think, I, mean, I don't have it, obviously. I think Duncan can get his reaction fastest. <laughs> I don't what, know. What I don't know. Like I'm probably muted. Right if, 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 I just, yeah, I just have a hard time picking a team that their best bat, their best dribble is behind the back. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I mean, James is telling the truth here. Here, <laughs> millennials, man, millennials. The, the three-point line was like eight years old when the Bad Boys won their first championship. Like I think, I think Chauncey would drop eight threes just because they wouldn't be defending him out that far. Here's the thing, though, you don't think Isaiah Thomas, if he came along today, he would have added the three-point shot to his name? No, you can't do that. Man. I mean, I think he would. Like, what? That three-point no, shot no, went no. in. It was funny when it was catch time. The three-point shot went in. No, this is why, <laughs> this is why you can't do that because you literally just said that we're playing underneath the eighty-nine rules. So if we're doing that, yeah, then yeah. that doesn't happen. Hot take, they're better in the uh, modern that. rules, the bad boys. Mm, okay. I, I, I think, I think yeah. you're going to work, Pistons, just shoot them out of the gym in the 89 rules. They get doubles off Chauncey and Sheed and Rip, and it's just a problem. They don't know what they're doing. I think Isaiah is just roasting people nowadays. Yeah. Man, Give you can't handshake Isaiah, man. Come on, man. I would just say I just watched the 4 game, too. And I used to think that the going to work team could play in today's era. Man, I don't know. <laughs> they scored 68 points or something like that. <laughs> but that being yeah, said, there was a lot of those games. I will, I will say this, though. Chauncey built unleashed without being hand-checked, too, man. Yes. Come on now. Dude, that, yeah. that would free him up some. So. <laughs> but then you look at it, that team didn't really have three-point shooters. They had Chauncey, Sheed, and Mehmet. They would get. They might get shot out of gyms nowadays. Yeah, Rip so if they had to increase until later. Yeah, it was yeah don't say if they had. Darko could shoot a little bit. <laughs> In your yeah, Darko, 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 you know, Darko shoot is... the cup into the trash can when, uh, when <laughs> on the farm right now. That's what he's doing. He's shooting a trash. He's shooting a thing of cabbage in a trash can on the farm. That's what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. We're an hour in after saying 30 minutes, so I think it was a great and fun conversation. Uh, I kind of want to end it here with, you know, like we said, and we read there, we said at the very beginning, anyone who's struggling with the coronavirus or with a loved one um, affected by it right now, we are praying for you guys, and you're in our thoughts, 
and, and we hope that America as a whole just stays safe and we can get through this together. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining. I don't know if you guys want to have any last remarks. Everyone at once, say hooray. I don't know if anyone wants to no, I'll say anything. Say- I'll say Dustin and, and cool. You guys did a really good job of pulling this together. And this was just um, something impromptu that we discussed yep. very shortly yesterday. And those guys spent some time uh, last night putting all the particulars and details together. So they took an idea and made it into uh, what you guys saw today, what fans saw and viewers saw today. And it was very good. I had a very good time. And uh, I think yeah, you guys, guys just deserve some credit for that. Yeah, hey, I would like to say, you know, I would like to say, you know what? Let's all, uh, James, Rod, even you guys, as soon as this shit's over, man, let's all get together and break bread and have some drinks, man. I, I know I can't wait till we allowed to do that again. I can't wait. Do you know any good restaurants? Yeah, let's do it. I know a few. <laughs> I know a few. So we can do it. Top it up again, I'm down. man. Cool. Yeah. All right, guys. All right. Thank you, guys. We'll end it here. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Cool. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It's great.